afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. We're looking for our guest. He's somewhere floating around here. We haven't quite found him yet, but he'll be along. But that's okay, because I'll get started telling you about my time up in in Duluth this past weekend. Uh, I want you to think about these endorsing con- conventions. Um, there, well, first of all, the one in Duluth. Why did we have to go to Duluth? I love Duluth, don't get me wrong, but it was pretty far away. It was pretty expensive. People were not happy to have to travel that far. Oh my gosh, I had a car full. We drove up on Saturday morning in the pouring rain. Oh, it was coming down cats and dogs. Oh my gosh. But once I got there, I had a grand time. I had an absolutely really amazing time and I got to see so many friends got to meet a whole bunch of new people got to hear our candidates what I want you to understand is a lot of people work really hard for these conventions they take time off of work they go to caucus they go to their local BPOU convention they go to their county convention or CD convention and they go to other conventions and they tell people how they're going to be the perfect one to go and go up to Duluth and vote on who should be the uh, the next candidate for governor or or secretary of state or auditor or any of these other things. I want you to remember this. Republicans haven't controlled the entire state of Minnesota in 60 years. 60 years. And, of course, where was plenty? Nowhere to be found. AWOL, nowhere to be found. And, which isn't surprising. I mean, really, where's he been for the last eight years? Where, the, where Where's he been? Nowhere to be found. Did he help elect Republic, Republicans once he got out of office? No. Did he help, uh, did he help pay off the party debt? No. Did he do anything to move the ball in Minnesota for eight years? No. And then he comes back and says, hey, here I am, vote for me. No surprise, uh, Jeff Johnson was endorsed easily. Uh, I thought Philip Parrish did a uh, an excellent job and gave of of before he dropped out of the race. He delivered a stern warning about a Palenti governorship, and he was a hundred percent right. Don't forget where the Minnesota GOP ended up at the end of two terms of Tim Pawlenty. Nearly bankrupt, a chair that almost went to prison for financial issues and debt that we're still trying to recover from. And and then even worse, at the end of his term, he he didn't even do his job. He uh, he threw over the Medicare expansion to Governor Dayton. Well, at the time, he didn't know Governor Dayton. He said it was the next... Um, he said, "Whoever the next candidate, whoever the next governor is, they'll be the one that will uh, that will make that that decision." Uh, Mary Stevens Giuliani was very classy. gave uh, She just she just did a really really lovely job, and they dropped out relatively quick. I think it was the second ballot, maybe. Uh, I was shocked that Kurt Doubt came out and said he thought that Tim Pawlenty made a big mistake going to the convention. And Kurt Doubt, who I am no fan of either, said that he thinks that Tim Pawlenty is going to have a tougher time running in this primary that he thinks. And, and he's right. If you were up there at the endorsing convention, you saw some of Tim Pawlenty's people pu- trying to push through a no endorsement. And it never got more than 7 percent, never got more than 7 percent. Uh, Jeff Johnson came out with a big endorsement of Michelle Bachman. Uh, hopefully she will use some of her national fundraising connections or maybe her own pot of money that she's sitting on. Uh, that could be very helpful to Jeff Johnson. Um, 
I was frustrated with the party, as I usually am. I told you I went up on Saturday, and in the opening speeches, Jennifer Carnahan was giving a lovely speech, yay, rah, rah, GOP, and sure enough, um, she doesn't even mention CD4 and 5. She goes through all the other candidates and ignores CD4 and 5. You cannot ignore CD4 and 5. Will they probably elect a Republican? No. No, they won't. But you cannot ignore them. The, the, the extra votes that you can get in CD4 and CD5 can win you elections in the constitutional races. And they, it's, it's disgusting to me that they don't even pretend that these candidates count, that they're just willing to hand over two congressional districts, two congressional districts every single election. And I just have to say, once again, Republicans, try not to screw this up. You, the Democrats have given you a gift. And, yeah, you should be uh, – yeah, we should be very thankful. This should be an easy win for us. So try not to screw it up. One of the um, – the, I don't think there was any contested endorsements after – other than governor. Um, and I know I have to, we have to try to get um, – the candidate for Minnesota Secretary of State, Howe, on uh, John Howe, on my show, because he handed out a lit piece that I think is crucial. I think it's absolutely crucial that people hear this story. Uh, one motivating factor that John Howe said uh, made him want to run for the made him want to run for office was to bring election integrity and accountability to Minnesota elections. He brought up the example from 2012. You guys remember this because I went crazy over it. I went absolutely crazy. In 2012, the DFL illegally and corruptly coordinated campaign efforts with 13 Senate candidates. Eleven of them became Minnesota state senators. This gave the DFL the majority in the Senate, which led to the largest tax and spending increase in the history of Minnesota. Unfortunately, the Democrats paid a $100,000 settlement fine and were allowed to keep those 11 seats. That is BS. That is total, total BS. And I just absolutely do not want do not want that. Uh, to happen anymore. And you know what? Those laws should have been changed because there's no way, no way that those 11 senators should have been able to keep that, uh, should have ever been able to keep those seats. Uh, absolutely not. They should have been thrown right out. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, we found our guest. Yay! He's here. Um, and when we come back, I have talked a little bit about the Republican convention. I really want to focus on the gift uh, that the Democrats have given Republicans um, disarray, chaos, dumpster fire. I'm trying to think of what some of the other words that I heard to describe their uh, to describe their their endorsement convention. It was crazy. It was crazy. So stay tuned. Uh, Sean Toll will be back with me in just a second. He writes the blog checks and balances and whoa. You won't believe some of the things that he wrote about their convention. And now he's here to tell us in person. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much.
much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is The Sue Jeffers Show. And my guest, Sean Toll, is here. He's the author of Checks and Balances. He did an excellent job reporting on the Democrat convention down in Rochester. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sue. And we did this once before. It's Democratic. Quit saying that false I'm word. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Shame on me. But you did a fine job reporting on the DFL. It was a very interesting convention. You know, they you think they 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 did some cool things. They uh, used a uh, a keypad for doing their tabulation, and so bad ballot results were out in about ten minutes. Were they accurate? They were. <laughs> they were. We had a little trouble with our clickers. Yeah, I heard north. about that. I heard about that. <laughs> we had to tear up pieces of paper and write on. Yeah, I know. You know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's a it's a it's a fun affair to to watch. I know. had a great time. Were you a delegate? Did you get? I to was vote? not. I was not a delegate. I have been a delegate in past years, but uh, but basically, uh, uh, it was a really strange construction. Um, I live in St. Paul, and the 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 way it was going is uh, I tried to actually support the female tickets, Amy Klobuchar and Betty McCollum and, and Tina Smith, and uh, because I was a male, I just guess I wasn't. The kind of person that they wanted to represent that. Yeah, agenda. that gender identity. You, you're a boy, so we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. Okay, so Friday night at the DFL convention in Rochester, Attorney General candidate Matt Pelican. Uh, they were he got endorsed. How did that happen? Well, what happened is uh, Lori Swanson uh, did not address the delegates. What the hell? And when Who she, doesn't address the delegates when I, you want to be their endorsed I understand candidate. that, and and I think she was. <laughs> I do not believe that she was prepared to make the jump for governor. But the Pelican delegates, the Pelican supporters, were actually circulating that rumor all Friday night, and so they were using it as an advantage. So I think it alienated her, and to the point that she just didn't think she had a hospitable room. And then when it came. You know, as she didn't get the endorsement, she she lost, uh, she prevailed by 52.2% over 472 for right. Pelican on the first ballot. Right. And then she looked at it and she says, well, if this is going to f- make me fight, I don't want to fight. I believe, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, but then she kind of must have looked at the tea leaves and said, if I'm going to have a primary, I might as well have a primary for a seat I want, not the one I don't want. So... All right. Well, then that was kind of surprising because then her announcement that she was going to run with uh, Congressman Rick Nolan in a governor's bid, that was crazy. The whole governor's race, everybody thought, well, outsiders thought Waltz was going to win. Insiders, like you, were leaning a different direction. So you had Aaron Murphy, uh, who had not picked a running mate. You had Tim Waltz, who had picked... Uh, Peggy Flanagan to run and so now you've got Lori Swanson and Congressman Rick Nolan running which set off another political upheaval gave us uh, about what eight candidates initially filing for attorney general and two of them have since withdrawn and now we we have uh, a nice little active race there which then caused a trickle-down effect or a domino effect for uh, at least for Ilhan Omar's house seat, which has now nine, you know, has nine filers there, and, I know. You know, and, and and then Deb Hillstrom files, and so somebody had to file for her house seat, and you know, it, it yes, it was crazy. You just don't see that, don't see that. Oh no, this is a, this is a one once in a lifetime, you know, deal. But you know, you got to look at 
each of these people that's running, and as I kind of carve it out, I call it slices of the pie. So if you look at, you know, what's going to happen at the statewide level, okay, you've got even even Amy Klobuchar and uh, Tina Smith both drew multiple opponents too. Let's not forget that. Right. So I mean, everybody's got a primary. The party of Amy and Tina. If I heard that one more time, I was going to barf. And now the party of Tina, Amy, and Aaron. And Aaron, mm -hmm. um, I loved your article. White heterosexual males do not apply. You wrote, the DFL endorsed candidate has doubled down on the name Aaron and tapped fellow freshman Representative Aaron May Quaid, DFL Apple Valley. Um, she's an articulate, sharp debater. Yeah, I debate that with you. Uh, and instrumental in bringing the sexual harassment issue to the legislature. She's all, the only member of the House to turn her district from red to blue and offers an opportunity to concentrate the focus for the DFL and the legislature to the greater metropolitan area, including the suburbs. I thought it was interesting you went on to say, this will shift the DFL focus from the need to always chase the elusive greater Minnesota vote, which tends to operate counter to the trend line of the new party establishment. But my favorite line of all was, <laughs> this means the DFL ticket will be seen in the following fashion. Three women at the top, U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, Senator Tina Smith, and now Aaron Murphy as the governor candidate to be enhanced with May Quaid, a lesbian, Matt Pelican, a gay male, Secretary of State Steve Simon, a heterosex heterosexual male, and the state auditor's race pending. Um, oh, also another woman, Julia Blaha. Julia She's, Blaha, yeah. What's she, auditor? Yes. Yep, auditor. Yep. Um, John Tollef John Tollefson, who was going to challenge her in a primary, another gay male, uh, dropped out. Yep. Crazy. It. I've always felt all along it was going to be hard for the DFL to win if they had three women at the top. And they had Smith Why? and Kolobashar automatically there. Right. Because if, I guess. You're a white male. You if, as, a, as a man. In greater Minnesota that cares about its guns or is a man in greater Minnesota that cares about, you know, his hunting privileges or whatever, they're not going to feel that, that there's anybody there that represents them. True. And, and I'm not trying to be a sexist. I'm not trying to be a pig. I'm just saying that, that there are some knuckle-draggers out there that will feel like that. And they're not, that's not just limited to outstate. No. 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 There are a lot of us who care about our gun mm -hmm. rights. Mm -hmm. and, and this ticket is scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary. No one's looking out for our Second Amendment rights. That has just pushed guns to a huge, the huge forefront of, of an election issue this, sure. this time. Well, and, and when you look at it realistically, um, you know, as you're kind of piecing out the, you know, cutting out pieces of the pie, you've got Lori Swanson and Rick Nolan and Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan. Peggy Flanagan was a pick from Walls early on and i think that was to help in the metropolitan in the city. yep and so when she didn't she, deliver she she didn't deliver as far as the delegates goes so but then in addition walls believes that he can carry a greater strength in greater minnesota but then nolan had endorsed right walls right and so he had to withdraw his endorsement and, and he, oh 
And he's just Wisconsin. kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. You know? and, I thought uh, he was good, but now I'm better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, people that look in the mirror always think they're good. Yeah. But uh, but so then as things move forward, I mean, the, the question will be, does Walls is it walls is damaged in greater Minnesota for a support based by the Nolan, well, the Swanson Nolan ticket now, but I don't know if that means that also by gender, she'd also affect, um, you know, Aaron Murphy. So Lori Swanson, the, you know, on the, as a, as a woman candidate, there's another effect there. So it's like, depends on what you pick up something, what you lose. I'm not sure. I'm a woman. I'm not voting for any of those women. Why? No, you're not. Not one. I, know. I would never. There's nothing they, well, I've heard almost everything that they could say, and we'll talk about that a little bit later coming up when we go through each of the individual races, but I'm going to vote with what's in their head, sure. not their physical attributes. I find that just astonishing. So I thought it was interesting that you said Pelican started all this. I think Lori Swanson started all this. Well, see, the thing is, I think that Lori basically came to the conclusion that you know it's not my turn or she was she was half-heartedly in maybe and so but had she been endorsed there wouldn't be all these candidates filing for attorney general had she been endorsed there wouldn't be all these people running so maybe it's pelican's fault if she had been endorsed none of this other stuff would have happened or why didn't she fight i mean that's the thing it was she was ahead she could have kept i think she felt that it wasn't her room you yeah. know, and so then she made the determination. Yeah. But, but you know, it was yes. The decision falls to the individual. Lori Swanson made her own active decision what she was going to do, probably under the tutelage of Mike Hatch. But now, half these people didn't know who Mike Hatch was. Did you see the hit piece Min Post? Oh yeah, I read it. I read it on Mike Hatch. Oh my God, there was no love lost there. Well, and, and I, you talk about Lori Swanson. Lori Swanson, to a certain extent, politicized the AG's office. Mm-hmm. Well, as did Hatch too. And I think we all know Hatch was the boss over there anyway. Probably still is. Um, but but I think with the possibility of a uh, Keith Ellison in the Attorney General. Attorney General's office, you're going to see that office become weaponized. Potentially. Yeah, we've potentially talked about. That. I think. Well, you know, I did have the scoop that Deb Hillstrom was going to be filing. I got that from her the night before. Yes, and way so to go. I, she told me to hold on to it till six thirty in the morning because she wanted to be able to be ready with the call. So it went out at six thirty sharp. And what's so interesting about that is why didn't my catch file? He was filing, as he said, in case somebody, somebody that he didn't approve of, uh, or unless somebody that he approved of filed. And so, so he, he, he rattled off. To, he was trying to keep Keith Ellison out. He was trying to, he was trying to yes, he was trying to Play protect the field. He was trying yeah. to protect the field. Or, uh, yeah. You know. but, uh, but, yeah, and then, then he pulls out right away. The reason he did it, though, is to get the attention, then to be able to, you know, render his endorsement. To let people know what he wants, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll get. I think Hillstrom's. Yeah. I think Hillstrom's in a better position because of her gender, because she's the only woman in the field, at least in that race. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, people. Do, who's who? 
Do you really think women can't screw it up just as bad as some of the men have? I got news for you. So on Friday night, they endorsed Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith. Lori Sturdivant was uh, tweeting out 50 years ago. It was the party of Herbert and Fritz. Today, the Minnesota DFL is the party of Amy and Tina. And Ken DFL chair Ken Martin said to the crowd, this weekend is a pivotal moment for our party and our ability to win. This election can't just be about we're against. We're talking. We're we win by talking about our values. Their values seem to be uh, taking on corporate control, structural racism, gender oppression, respecting the inherent value of the land, and building strong and healthy rural communities. Yeah, how'd that work out? It didn't. Well, um, they, did, they didn't even pass the uh, resolution on, against sulfide mining. That actually failed, I know. too. I know. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and my pet peeve issue. Ranked choice voting did not pass. So it's going to be know. gone from the platform. Yay! That's really good news. That is really good news. We'll be back to talk about that, if not today, another day. Uh, DFL House Minority Leader Melissa Hortman addressed the 2018 DFL convention. By the way, I'm still not sorry, she said to cheers. Half the audience didn't know what she was talking about. The other half was cheering. She was referring to her complaint about the male GOP legislators playing cards in the retiring room while female DFL legislators spoke on the floor. I think her, I'm, I'm, I think the um, song, the phrase the, uh, that she keeps using, I'm not sorry, I think that's really Al Franken's line. <laughs> he's not really sorry, and he's sorry he stepped down. Steve Simon, liar extraordinaire. I am not voting for him. I'm voting for John Howe. Steve Simon continues to tell the DFL crowd that U.S. democracy is under attack, both foreign and domestic. He continues to lie about our election system being hacked. Uh, Simon's spokesperson, Ben Patoke, actually said there's nothing wrong with the system the way it is. Minnesota's election system was targeted in 2016, and nothing was breached. Uh, so I am go, John Howe. I'm hoping for you on that one. Uh, those were pretty much rubber stamp. Uh, you know, pump everybody up, let's make it easy, right? Yeah, well, that's what the first night is about. You do the non-controversial things. Yes, and that they did. (laughs) So uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. How about we talk about that governor's race? Uh, Aaron Murphy won the endorsement. Um, This is really interesting how you got to got to this spot, and now we have a primary that I'm just making popcorn for because I think it's going to be a blast. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers with Sean Toll, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and com. everyone thank you so much for tuning in uh sean toll checks and balances is here he was at the democrat convention in demo <laughs> yeah i know i know dfl convention shame on me i should know better than that uh dfl convention in rochester i was at the republican one if you were at one of the conventions and you want to call in and tell us your thoughts 651-989-5855 Okay, so the governor's endorsement for the Republicans was a piece of cake. Uh, Two ballots later, 
Philip Parrish dropped out and um, Mary Stevens Giuliani dropped out. They were both classy and did um, very polite and respectful, got behind Jeff Johnson the way it's supposed to work. And then we had you guys down in Rochester, Sean. I heard there were cheers on the Republican floor. That's what I heard when they heard what was going on down, down oh, in Rochester. They were cheering. Yes, mm-hmm. they were cheering. And I would I would have people, um, do you know what's happening in Rochester? Do you know? And, I, and, and the word was just flowing and well, then they should have been reading checks and balances so. once every once in a while a candidate would come up on stage and then say and here's what's happening now and the crowd would go wild <laughs> nobody saw this chaos coming nobody well again uh, there was a domino effect that yes that, that basically when the magic number in dfl politics if you can get to 54 as my friend roy magnuson likes to say you're probably going to get the endorsement and uh and so you know, Tim Walls led on the first ballot by a small amount, and then uh, you had Rebecca Otto, and she plummeted. She went from 18 points down to seven points in one ballot, and everybody saw the writing in the wall. There was a group that was active that had about nine percent of the delegates called Faith in Minnesota, and so oh, it was a religious. the Isaiah people. Yes, the Isaiah Project, and so the religious people had stuck together. And they were willing They're to move. They're not religious people. They're social justice warriors. Okay. But they were willing to move a as a block. They were willing to move as a block. Yes. But the, the thing about it is, is that Tim Walls had to get to 50% in order for them to make that move away from Aaron Murphy. Well, Walls never got to 50%. Right. They didn't move. And that nine points would have put them right close to the 60% endorsement valid threshold and so that didn't happen but that was a factor that was always there and i was watching for it waiting for it to see if it would happen and it didn't um you know the the delegates had a pension for endorsement and then in addition there was a question asked of the chair ken martin during the process and they asked him what was the value of the endorsement and he said quite frankly if we don't have an endorsement the party can't help any candidate that is not endorsed we're we'd have to sit on our hands until the fall now, I don't think that's true. They could have been running a generic advertising blitz against Tim Pawlenty and against the Republicans all summer long if they want. It wasn't as, wouldn't have been as targeted, but that could still have taken place. They could have just you know, made the generic message. But I will say this. There has not been a statewide Republican elected since Tim Pawlenty was in a second election. So, 2006. So you guys— you guys are still, you know, I, you're going to have trouble, no matter who your candidate is, still winning statewide. Well, it, if you guys had quit cheating, we'd be much better off. You can't blame me for what happens. <laughs> All right. So Erin Murphy clinched the nomination after seven rounds. She kept stressing that the party needs to unify so Democrats can beat Tim Pawlenty. I got news for you. Tim Pawlenty isn't going to win. Well, he it, isn't. And I got news for you. The Democrat, the DFL's hard left-hand turn isn't going to sit well with a lot of people, especially on guns. You've got Aaron Murphy up there talking about values, talking about joy and love and our full heart and all of that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, she supports single payer. She supports um, equity in housing, uh, more money for education, no pipeline, electronic charging stations, uh, gun gun control, uh, ranked choice voting, what, which she said would happen in her first term. Those are all just things that she talked about that during that endorsement. Those things aren't going to resonate well with your average Minnesotan. 
there are a range of issues that um, you're going to find disagreement with with the general public, but it's really going to come down to what, you know, who turns out. And I think that the concentration we've had, the, you know, the problem is, though, this is what I, I think. And, yes, he came close in this state to beating beating Hillary Clinton but and only lost by 1.3 percentage points. But it's the party of Donald Trump. And the, the Donald Trump people, you know, it's as I've called it, it's the Donald Trump loyalty party. It's not really the Republican Party anymore. And so you, the words and the rhetoric that we've heard from both Jeff Johnson and Tim Pawlenty are trying to get themselves closer and closer to Donald Trump. I disagree. Okay. I, I I disagree. You're not you're hearing the weirdest stuff out of Tim Pawlenty. He went down into Waltz's district right after the endorsing convention that he wasn't at and starts talking about Gitmo. Who's talking about Gitmo? And then you got Tim Pawlenty who came out after all the suicides and now the suicide hotline in Minnesota is being shut down and the Democrats are all over him. They're saying, hey, buddy, you're the one that cut off funding to, to them. So, you know, we don't want you as governor again. And I think it's so interesting that the Democrats are convinced that Tim Pawlenty is going to win. I'm convinced Jeff Johnson's going to win that primary. Well, we've seen Jeff Johnson's candidacy before, and so... If, I think if, he's if a different candidate well, this we'll time. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, a totally different candidate this time. Uh, Representative Murphy said, the fact that there are two women on the top of the ticket is a good thing from Minnesota. But then I heard, and maybe you can confirm or, or tell me if I'm wrong, I heard from a DFL source that 19 Greater Minnesota DFL chairs, all Waltz delegates have resigned over the May Quaid announcement. Um, there has been activity on the cent- state central committee, of which Ken Martin has said that they can they can um, not resign, but just uh, take a take a leave of absence. So he's trying to keep them. He's trying <laughs> well, to keep yeah, them together. Because Governor Dayton came out and endorsed some people who haven't even been endorsed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he endorsed which Ellison means, for Congress. Yeah, which means, well, we'll talk about that one, too. Okay, so Aaron Murphy um, was looking at, at Tim Walls's map, mm-hmm. and she comes out and says the map shows how divided we are as, as, as a state, mm-hmm. and she called it a hateful message. Are we going to hear a lot of that well, type of you talk? Know, uh, the, the, the concentration of the DFL primary voter comes from the 4th, the 5th, and the 8th Congressional District. That's where the traditional blocks are. Uh, you guys are going to lose eight. So, you know, well, the, you're still going to have those voters. One. You're still going to have those you're voters in the primary. Uh, you're you're, you're talking two. about the general election. I'm talking about the primary election. You're going to lose so, six. You know, Good talking luck. about the primary. Yeah, I know, I know. The primary is a different thing. And, in fact, we should talk about, about those numbers, too. Uh, Tim Waltz said, let's be clear. Democrats will leave Rochester united in our values, but the robust debate that can go on, on as to who can best deliver a progressive message what BS. And when in November, uh, he said the best news is that the Rochester Mayo Civic Center this weekend was full of energy that we need to win. And Waltz and Peggy Flanagan were very excited for the 500,000 DFLers to have their voices heard. They had a very strange convention strategy. I I don't know who came up with it. Uh, Joe, Joe Ellickson, I think, came up with the idea, but they ran... No endorsement from the fourth ballot on. Crazy. And it's Crazy. like, 
they they showed the weakness of their candidate right. because they didn't have numbers for him. If you had held, you know, held on to forty two percent or forty three percent, you could have blocked the convention. But they didn't run that strategy, so it was really it, was, it that was an oddity that I didn't understand. An organizer for Take Action Minnesota. Take credit, Minnesota. That's what we like to call it. <laughs> Take Action Minnesota was writing about um, an, a blog post for TakeActionMinnesota.org. Uh, the type of governor we need, her name is Evelyn, and she was talking about how great uh, Aaron Murphy was. Um, and she said, it is also incredibly exciting to be able to help elect Aaron Mayquaid, a state representative, a badass, clear black woman as a lieutenant governor. So you're going to see lots more of those sort of updates as well. Okay, we're going to – how much time do we have here? I guess I, I better look at this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break because when we come back, I think probably the most interesting part of this conversation is going to be talking about the AG's race and the Congressional District five race. Um, both have gotten incredibly crowded and incredibly complicated. And, well, we'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers with Sean Toll, Twin Checks and Balances, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. We're talking about the conventions. Uh, Sean Toll's in here with me. He was down in Rochester. I was up in Duluth. And I, I just want to make a point very, very, very clear. The I, a lot of people on the right side of the aisle are so happy, so thrilled that Keith Ellison is running for a statewide office. I just want to remind you, we said that about Mark Dayton. And we've now had two terms of Mark Dayton. Mark Dayton. So Keith Ellison will have money, and he'll he'll be well funded. He'll drive turnout, and the idea that he is leaving Congress to run for Attorney General, and the whole chain reaction that goes with that means voter turnout for that primary, and the money spent for that primary. Well, all the primaries. Um, is just going to be astronomical. Am I right, Sean? You're going to see more money spent in this election than than we will have seen in the past. It might be in multiple multiplication tables that we're dealing with here because it's going to be huge. As we were talking off air, I said, you got to remember, Tina Smith has a primary, uh, and she's got Richard Painter, a nationally known right? know, opponent, and so there's going to be federal money that's in here for that race. You're, you're you know, they've talked, the DFL in the 5th Congressional District has been talking about maybe doing an early endorsement. And so if that happened, that'd be really interesting. And the, and the question would be, are they going to pull together the whole convention? Or are they right. going to do it in a central committee? And, and the question is, who's got the advantage where? And so, you know, so uh, they have to rescind their endorsement for Keith Ellison because now he's running against an endorsed candidate. So he's actually doing a negative thing. He said he's not going to step down from his place as the deputy chair of the of the right. Democratic National Party. And so, I mean, you know, it is it's a wild ride. It is a wild ride. I'm looking forward to it. So initially, six DFLers filed for attorney general. Mike Hatch, he has since dropped out. Keith Ellison, state representative Deborah Hillstrom. Um, wait, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. OK. Hillstrom. Who else? And oh, you got Matt Pelican. Matt Pelican. The He's the endorsed candidate. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. And Ramsey County attorney. Yes. Tom Foley. Who's yep. like what a thousand? 
Yeah, Tom, Tom's, Tom's put on a few years. Yeah, he's way up there. I was really surprised by that. And then coming out of the blue, and I don't know what he thinks he's doing, former Commerce Commissioner Mike Rothman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where well, did he come from? Well, Rothman was running. See, you got to remember, everybody was in a holding pattern because of Lori Swanson not deciding what she was going to do. If she going to run for governor, or where was she not? And so she made a last-minute announcement. So there were – you had Mike Rothman, you had – you had um, um, Deb Hillstrom, you had uh, Ryan Winkler and others that were all lined up and ready to run for attorney general if Lori Swanson didn't. But so, then, so Rothman and, and Hillstrom were wait, in the waiting game, and now that she made her decision, they jumped back in. So Pelican's the endorsed candidate for attorney general, correct? Yes. Yeah, you get the endorsement because Lori Swanson withdrew. And you think Deborah Hillstrom is the favorite? I think she's got the best opportunity based on the fact that she's the only woman in the field. Oh, my God. We're back to gender again? Yeah, but if you're looking at the top of the ticket, you've, you've got Tina Smith, you've got Amy Klobuchar, you've got Aaron Murphy, and 50.1% of the people in Minnesota are women. So if they basically ch- turn out on gender issues, you know, yeah. you got to vote. I'm base. a woman. I'm not turning out on gender issues. <laughs> And I got, you're I got a news for you. Woman, I'm so not alone. Well, I know woman. I'm unique, but I got news for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone on that. Um, all right. So now you got a DFL primary. What do you think's going to happen? Ellison, um, past attorney generals in Minnesota, including Swanson, have made consumer protection work the central feature of the office's mission. Whatever. Basically, what Swanson did is she went after these companies so that her buddies could make boatloads of money being the lawyers suing these other companies. And right? Am I right? Look at the 3M. Yep. Uh, what They got 100. Her lawyer friends got $125 million of that settlement from 3M, money that belonged to the state of Minnesota. Sure, but that, that they, they settled low, too. I mean, there, there was a lot more money left I don't care. The it's $125 million yeah. that went to her buddies. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that money's going to her towards her governor's race now. Mm-hmm. I'd just be willing to bet. Uh, Ellison plans to follow suit. He sees the office as a necessary counterweight to what he sees as the destructive policies coming out of Trump's Washington. He said... Um, this political movement makes the attorney general role more essential than ever. It's a way to push back against some unfair things the Trump administration is doing. Not just the travel ban, it's also around the internet, climate change, a number of things the administration is doing to weaken rights, both social and economic. Um, that's, yeah. He's going to weaponize the attorney general's office. You've got, with the Democrats shut out of power in D.C., state attorney generals have become essential figures in the resist movement. Over the past 18 months, a group of 23 Democratic Democratic attorney generals have filed 47 lawsuits against the administration and lost most of them. Well, at least they're fighting. Yeah, well, they're picking the wrong fights, though. That's the problem. Governor Dayton endorsed Democrat Congressman Keith Ellison for attorney general over the endorsed candidate. Dayton said Ellison will be the people's lawyer in the truest sense. Now, again, local party officials would be asked to take a leave of absence in order to support a non-endorsed DFL candidate. Is is Mark Dayton going to step aside because that means Fishbox, the governor? I don't think that's going to happen either. 
this folks what kind of activism do you want in your attorney general's office okay so now we're running out of time a very crowded dfl primary for congressional seat five ellison jumps out eight dflers have filed to replace him yep and then we've had a couple of withdrawals there too yep julie uh, sabo kim ellison yep and i think that uh you know the interesting thing is each one of these races is affected by the race above it right you know so how is the fifth going to play in the primary uh, where there's a high concentration of DFL votes, but, you know, you get about 78% of the people vote. Now, Tina Smith's got a primary, so that's going to have some federal money coming in. You've got a fifth congressional district fight. You're probably going to get some more money in there. You've got the AG's race. It's going to be affected by the fifth. Primary in the eighth. Yep. It's all over People the place. People forget about the eighth. Yep, it's all over the place. And so, well, you know. it's interesting too with the candidates who have filed to run. We mentioned Julie Sabo and Kim Ellison dropped out, but you have two state senators who don't even like each other: Bobby Joe yep. and Campion Patricia and, and Patricia Torres Ray. Mm-hmm. Right, and they represent different sides of the city of Minneapolis. She represents down the southern portion, and he represents the northern portion. Then you got Margaret Anderson Kelleher, former Speaker of the House, who has been the executive director with the Minnesota High Tech Association, right. who has good connections with entrepreneurs, with people with money. And so she's got a whole new base that she can draw on. And I think actually Margaret and- uh, Speaker Mack, as I always called her, right, right. Speaker Mack, I think she's going to be in a good position. I do too. And you know what? She's not crazy. No. No, she actually she ran a very well-disciplined house. Right. She was very thoughtful and logical. Um, and the and agenda... she was always polite. Yes. She's a nice person. Yeah, she's a super nice person. Yep. Yep. Very professional. Uh, the other big name in the race, um, Representative Elian Omar. And I'm afraid she's in for trouble because running for Congress is very different than running for House. National media is going to come into town. They're going to be all over her. And she's been able to not talk about uh, embarrassing Twitter posts or, or stupid things she's said about Jewish her people, her marriage. To Is it her brother? Is it her husband? Is it, Was there immigration fraud? She's not going to be able to get around all that stuff this well, time. Well, she's been in a new Maroon 5 video now. So, I, I mean, I so she's an international that. star. I heard that. But she's, I'm sorry, she doesn't have many accomplishments anywhere uh, especially compared to Torres Ray or or uh, Bobby Joe. No, she doesn't have much of a base. I mean, uh, I think that your your people should not be surprised to see Ilhan Omar showing up in the in the bottom of the of the, the herd there. I, you know, I agree too. I I just I I see Margaret Anderson Kelleher coming to the top, um, and then I'm kind of I'm kind of torn between Bobby Joe and and Patricia because I think that's real interesting. You've got basically the three. Well, and throw in Omar. You've got the four segments, big segments, mm-hmm. of Minneapolis right there. Yep. Yeah. Can you imagine the turnout? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a huge turnout. But then again, the turnout in the fifth then affects the races up the ballot. So it's, you know, that the concentration of the population and of the Democratic vote in Minneapolis and uh, and the surrounding suburbs is really going to be a significant uh, impact on what happens with this selection. And then, because Ilian Omar got out, 50, or 60B, uh, Phyllis Kahn said she was not running Correct. again. I owned my bar for 30 years. Phyllis Kahn was my representative mm-hmm. for 30 years. She never once set foot in my bar. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing about Phyllis Kahn. 
I would call her, write her, fax her, email her. Uh, over Very the, responsive. Over the course of the 30 years, she answered me every single time. Very responsive. Yeah, I was. And, and you know, we didn't agree on much, mm-hmm. but I don't care. She always told me where she thought, where she was yep. coming from. No, she, she was kind of like Paul Wellstone in that and regard. Respect, you, knew, you knew where they yep. came down on an yep. issue. But now you've got nine DFLers that are have filed to run in her seat, including DFL insider Peter Waginius, Mohammed Noor. Uh, remember, he's run twice and lost to Omar. Yes, and and uh, actually, he Peter Waginius ran in the state senate race against Mohammed um, Mohammed Noor, as well as that that was the seat that Kerry Dietzik won. Oh right, right. And so, so Wagenius came in third in that race. Nor came in second, and then Nor also ran against Wagenius. Yeah. Hmm, that sounds like a name of another politician. Yes, his mother is Jean Wagenius. Yeah, lefty. Okay, so bottom line is um, the oh crap, we can't talk anymore. We only have one minute left. <laughs> so okay, Sean, checks and balances. You want everybody to read your stuff? Sure, I, you... I I really like it when uh, I get comments. I like it when people uh, are interested. Uh, the, you know, I posted some of those articles on a DFL activist list, and I did a no no. You're not supposed to criticize candidates, so I, I got my finger slapped for that. But uh, but uh, you know. Uh, I'm not your traditional run-of-the-mill DFLer. That's why I like talking to you. And uh, And let me tell you, I'm making the popcorn. Because this (laughs) is going to be so much fun. I can can hardly stand it. It's going to be a very wild night. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. The hot night in August. Yep, I'm ready. I'm ready. And we'll keep you up to date on everything that's happened. Sean, thank you so much. Everybody read his blog posts, checks, and balances. Tune in to Stan. He's up next. Thanks, Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.